Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Sandy with Laryngitis, calling in from Israel. This is the second week that I'm in Israel that I'm doing the show from here, and that's the cool thing about doing live radio. You can do it pretty much from anywhere when it's internet-based. So thank you for joining us tonight. I am the Confidence Communication and Love Coach for Women Over 40, and every Tuesday it's my honor to interview top experts and cutting-edge authors who teach you how to attract and sustain healthy relationships, especially in midlife. And today I'm going to be speaking with author Jody Prouse about how to break free from family patterns of addiction with love. And I want you to know that uh, many of my, my clients are actually recovering codependence, and many of them didn't even know that they had codependency. And we're going to be really diving deeper into the topic of codependency today. And uh, Jody has really accomplished something pretty amazing for somebody who grew up with alcoholism in her family and had a lot of crisis. And so this is going to be a really wonderful show. And um, every week I bring you a tip on how to be a woman of value because I believe that a woman of value attracts her best partner. And so this week's tip is step number 20, which is to lean back. And what I mean by that is we often will lean in to relationships. It's good to lean back in work when you're a woman. I mean to lean in in work. I don't know what I just said. But leaning back in relationships if you're a woman is essential in my opinion. And what I mean by that is ask for help and receive it. Let a man show up and be a man. Often women will complain that a man doesn't do enough he doesn't pick up the pieces. He doesn't, you know, take initiative. And women, you need to ask for what you want, and then you need to learn to receive it with grace. So that's my tip for the day. Lean back. Also, if you're a woman over 40 and you're single or in a relationship and you want some positive support, please join my Facebook group. It's a private group, and your posts will not be seen by anybody other than the people in the group It is growing every day. This group is fantastic. So people are really transforming their lives. They're learning to date with dignity and self-respect. So join us at Your Last First Date. That's Your Last First Date on Facebook. And now I want to introduce our special guest today, Jody Prouse. If you've ever lost yourself in a chronic family crisis where you're giving until there's no more left to give, And then you give some more because you feel that you have a duty out of love and knowing that everybody looks to you for your support. Then this show is for you because Jody Prouse is a person who knows this from experience. She wrote the book, The Sun is Gone, about trying to halt the alcoholic decline of her her brother amidst a lifetime of family crisis and dysfunction. It's a cautionary tale and a beacon of hope for women to find the strength to make painful but personally healthy choices. 
Jody says you should learn, accept, forgive, and heal. So join me now for episode number 281, The Power to Enabling in Relationships. Welcome to the show, Jody. Thanks, Sandy. I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you. I, I really respect that you have overcome a huge crisis in your family. And as I was reading the book, I, I just, you know, with my experience with codependency and my clients, I wanted to, like, go, get out. <laughs> Stop trying to save your brother. Stop doing so much. But I know that you did it out of love. So if you can briefly tell our audience what The Sun is Gone is about, why you chose to write it, and, um, you know, what it was like for you to grow up with all this alcoholism in your family. Yeah, well, first, we had have alcoholism in so many branches of our family tree. Um, an uncle, my grandfather, my stepfather, my father, um, a great uncle. It, it was just everywhere. And, you know, nothing impacted me more, though, than when my younger brother, Brett, became addicted to alcohol. And I think at first the motivation for writing the story was it was so far worse than anything I'd ever experienced. And I'd, I thought I'd seen it all. And I thought, no one will believe that alcohol can do this. Um, but I think it's a bigger thing now why I really wrote it. You know, so many stories are written, of course, by the, the addict in recovery with a happy ending. And I just thought, you know, so many of us, me specifically, was also lost on this journey and that I just thought other people could really relate to that and that we can learn lessons, not just from what went right, but also learn things from what went wrong. And so I really did try to write what it is, an honest portrayal of of an addiction journey. It was definitely honest and painful, um, you know, just just really learning about your your parents' relationship. And, and I remember the very beginning when you talked about your uncle who lived in a trailer and how everybody was enabling him. Um, he, he really had was far gone, and and the and the family continued to enable him. So, and I think I acknowledge that. Yeah, that that was the 70s, and my family wasn't equipped with the things we are in 2017. We didn't have that knowledge. Um, I doubt we had rehab centers to send him to. And so very much they did the best they could with the knowledge they had at the time. But it's so wonderful now that we are educated, and we do know we need to not do some of those things codependency, enabling, um, but you do need to find the strength to break free from that. Yeah, especially when there's so many family members and and their secrets and their, you know, violence. I mean, there was just so much that you dealt with, so much trauma. Um, so, yeah, so let's talk about disengaging from your brother, Brett. Yeah. Um, so if you can tell tell a little bit about how you grew up and and why this was so hard for you because you know he was really someone you you thought was like the most handsome, amazing, special guy, 
and you were willing to do anything for him at any time, and you kept dropping everything for him. So, yeah. so tell us a little bit about the connection to Brett, why you were working so hard to rescue him, and then how you finally learned to disengage with him and also with your mother and sister who were very toxic to you. Yeah, and, you know, I always, my brother, and I wanted everyone to know, it it, it can happen to everybody. He was just sweet and kind and and smart. He had a great job. He was loved by absolutely everyone. And addiction doesn't care about those things. And I always knew my whole life, I knew I was, you know, my brother was my best friend. We shared things. You know, we were four years apart. Um, we we were just dedicated to each other. And I always knew that we were close. And I, I never really analyzed the reasons, I don't think, as to why until all this started falling apart. And I really had to take an honest look at the very beginning when when he was two and four years old and I was looking after him. My mom and dad would get in violent fights um, because my dad was, was drinking and we'd have to flee the house in the middle of the night. And, you know, it was my job to look after my hysterical, scared little brother and make him feel that he was okay. And I understand now that 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 really developed our sense of dedication to each other. And so, Mm. you know, when he was in his early 20s and I started seeing signs of of his alcoholism, I just did everything to try and stop it. And, you know, he he fought this battle for 12 years. And, uh, you know, I'm going to say, sadly, he, he eventually lost his battle in March of 2012. But for six of those years, I neglected my own health, my my own young children, my husband, my job. I just, every minute of every day was consumed with trying to save someone that I loved. And, um, you know, it took six years until I was at my lowest point before I finally realized um, this isn't working and why. I guess that's finally the question I asked myself, why? Mm. So, yeah, I'm wondering, like, what was that wake-up call for you? Because you you got to this terribly low point. And I think you said it at the beginning. When when you have codependency patterns and people don't even realize they're doing it, I thought I was doing all the right things. I was going to meetings with him. He was telling me everything he was learning about in rehab and his therapist. I was going to some therapy appointments with him. But he wasn't getting better. It was getting worse, and it was taking over my whole life. And I think really the breaking point for me was I finally went to therapy, and I said, listen, I don't want to talk about my brother anymore. I want to talk about me and what I need to do. And it's finally then that I realized that's what I should have done at the very beginning. I think we concentrate so much on those that are sick and those that are addicted that we don't realize that we also are maybe doing things to actually help this problem along. And it was so much more complicated than just, oh, you have an addicted brother. We had some dysfunctional family. We had toxic relationships. Our whole family needed help. And um, if I could go Mm -hmm. back, that's 
the one thing I think I would do different is get help for all of us. Um, But also knowing, you know, help doesn't do any good if you're not prepared to tell the truth and also do the hard work to change. Yeah, I was going to say, you couldn't have gotten help for people who weren't open to help and weren't willing to be honest about Absolutely. needing help and what... And, right. and that, that lends uh-huh. to the destruction of, of your other family relationships during this. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's unique to us. So many family relationships break apart when you're going through this stressful journey. Um, but, you know, somebody's life is at stake. And so I think that should give you the strength. That certainly is what gave me the strength to finally set a healthy boundary with my brother. I do see now, I, you know, we did have a codependent relationship. I was enabling, and it was all coming from a place of love. I mean, it always is, but you just need help. Yes, it comes from a place of love, and you don't realize that you're hurting the other. In, in some ways, but you certainly were hurting yourself. I think your brother seemed to be beyond help um, yeah. because people stepped in to help him so many times, and it was it was a complicated disease as well, which um, you point out that it wasn't just alcoholism. And I think, you know, people really do need to understand both the the complexity of addictions and also how codependency shows up in so many families that have no addiction of any kind. So if you can take a moment and and help us to understand codependency and enabling, that would be great. Yeah, well, you know, I think codependency, um, a people pleaser, and looking after others' needs ahead of, of yourself and sacrifice your own happiness for somebody else and most definitely a a dysfunctional one-sided relationship and I can't emphasize enough um, it wasn't until after my brother was gone before I really understood oh my goodness that is that is me and it's not just me with my brother but I think it stems from having to look after him from a young age. My mom and my sister always looked to me to to save them and help them and look after them. And I just took that to the extreme until I was after my 40s. Um, I've, I really understand now that, that things started in childhood, things that weren't my choice. No one sat down and said, you know, Jody, you're responsible for us. But I was made to feel that, and and so it's very part, much a part of me. And I neglected my own family because of it. Yeah, which um, is very common. I think that you know when you you think that you have to enable or help other people, you don't realize the harm it does both to yourself and to the other people that love you. Um, and I remember when I was in coaching school, one of our final pieces of, of the coaching certification was to pass an oral exam. And the oral exam that you had to coach one of the supervisors. And I actually had to coach somebody who had a codependency issue with her daughter. 
who um, has some special needs, but she became so uh, so dependent on her mother and resentful of her mother, you know, very um, kind of angry all the time when she didn't get her way because she had no coping skills, the daughter. And so the daughter was an adult child who um, had a child of her own. And I remember, this is before I really understood codependency, but she said to me, I always thought it was kind to take care of my daughter. And what I realized is that it really wasn't kindness at all. And it took her a very long time to realize that. So it's, you know, I think as as women in particular, we're taught we have to be kind to other people no matter what, even at the risk of losing ourselves and giving up our own needs. That's one of the major parts of my coaching is to help women honor their needs first and be the woman of value. Um, so this is it's such an important piece in having healthy relationships. Um, yeah, I think certainly so, as women, right, we're not we're made to feel we can't say no, and if somebody asks for our help, that when we say that, that we're letting them down and and we're disappointing them and. And it motivates us to go to extremes, I think, because we do care about others a lot of times ahead of our ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think every parent feels it to some degree. And, you know, I know that as a parent, what my, my goal has always been to raise children who could be independent and who could, you know, find their own way self food you know, not depend on me for yes. protection all the time. And I was married to a man who was an enabler, and it's, it's very difficult to parent with that kind of opposition. Um, but they, thank God they're all, they're all pretty healthy, and they are all pretty self-reliant, and we have a great relationship. But it takes a lot of work, and it takes a lot of self-understanding to be the kind of parent who raises healthy kids who are not good <laughs> Absolutely, and let them fail when they should. And and yeah. it's hard to watch that, right? And and certainly if I look at my brother, um, we all bailed him out. I think from the time he was even a young a young child. We were just always there and 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 really he didn't have the ability to grow into a functioning adult. And and we were responsible for some of that. We we definitely are. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not yeah. love, right? It 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 feels like love at the time, but but it isn't right. love. Yeah, love means you're doing what's right for the other person, and it takes like the big picture. In, in you know, you have to have the context of the big picture, not the immediate. You know, um, I can think of so many examples of where one of my children would call me and, you know, I'm having a crisis and I don't know what yeah. to do and I want to come home and I want to have a mommy day. And I'm talking about, you know, young adult children. And and I just give them the tools if, they, if they're open to them, you know, on how to take care of themselves and tell them I love them and that I know they've got this and I'm not going to come up to school and rescue them and, and you know, it's it's it it can feel like punishment in the, in the moment, and then in the end, my kids have all thanked me 
Um, yes, because they learn yes, you, and they know how to be self-reliant. Absolutely. You've given yeah. them a beautiful gift. And I, I think the complication lies and, and people's confusion is their head and their heart get get confused when it, when addiction plays into it because that loved one's going to die. That's your motivation. But you still need to find the strength to still be able to say, no, you need to sort this out. And and that, too, is a gift for them. Yes, absolutely. And also when you take care of yourself, it's a great role model for everyone around you that you respect yourself and that you want them to do the same. Because when you don't do that, they don't learn to respect themselves. Yeah, very true. So let's talk about some ways that women can break from patterns of codependency and, you know, people who are fixers and people pleasers. What are a few uh, thoughts that you have for women to break from these patterns? Well, you know, I was very blessed in to be able to afford private therapy, and so that really saved me. Um, you know, I was 39 years old, so that it, it's been almost 10 years, and I still go once in a while. But I also, I've read books, I go on the internet, there's Facebook groups that you can join where you can talk to other people, just for everyone to know that there is help out there. And, you know, some of it is free if you go and you look for it. But it is really, I think, about being honest with yourself and really coming to terms with everything because, you know, it can't help you, and all the advice can't help you if you're not prepared to do that. And and it does go mm-hmm. with people like me, or even the same can be said for the addict, can't it? That if they're not really prepared to be honest and tell the truth and, and do the hard work, um, then then you won't see change. And, and certainly my book is about that. Um, no one was changing, no one. Not not one, you know, I call us characters, but we're not characters, are we? Um, everybody was staying exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It's true. Well, uh, my, my question for you in terms of your own family is, how did your, how did your husband really end up staying with you? Through, I mean, I know things got crazy at, at one point, but... <laughs> Yeah. He was an amazing rock for you, and, and your kids saw some pretty heavy stuff. So what was the toll on them, and how are you all doing today? Yeah. Well, you know, I I did always know how my father affected me and my brother and the fighting and the things that we saw. And the real truth is I allowed my own children to see things so far worse than what we ever experienced. And I'm responsible for that, not my brother. I allowed it to go on. I did not put a stop in it. I I should have set a boundary long, long before. Um, You know, when I wrote this book, I, I said to my husband, I thought he was the one hero because, um, he did support me through, through a lot. Uh, that man loves me, uh, very, very much. And um, if our marriage hadn't been so rock solid, it wouldn't have survived this just 
you know, at times horrific journey. I, I don't I don't know even what else to call it. But I I made mistakes with my own children. But I'll tell you I'm different than, than my mom and and this is where it shows I think people you can break the patterns just because you grew up with it and just because it's in your life. I have just said sorry to my adult son so many times um, that I did put my brother's needs ahead of theirs for, for a few years. And that's all we can do is, you know, say sorry it and forgive and heal. But I think a lot of times uh, people don't get the sorry that they need. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't always get the sorry. But if you know in your heart that you can forgive yourself and yeah. also have compassion for the people who really can't be honest with themselves and realize that they're doing the best they can, even if it hurts. So let's talk about, um, in the last few minutes, just a few more tips for people who are stuck in these situations. You've talked about therapy and you've talked about reading books and going on the Internet, but in terms of actual steps, that therapy helped you do. Yeah. Um, can you share one step, two steps that people can actually take? It's just such a hard question for me because I've, I've just been such a work in progress, you know, for, for the last mm. 10 years. But I think the biggest thing is for someone to acknowledge, listen, something's not right. Uh, that that was my biggest turning point of finally, okay, something's not right. And, and that's when I finally reached out for help. And I think until someone really acknowledges that and is open to that, um, again, you'll just keep, I, I felt like I was drowning. I, I, I literally didn't think I was going to survive this journey. And so I think, and I think other people feel like that out there. Mhm. And yeah, I mean, when I go ahead, I think a lot of times, and I, I always. That's why we're not we're not unlike the addict. We just we just aren't addicted, but we have some of these same behaviors. So many times they're scared to finally ask to ask for help. I mean, the statistics for them are one in eight people go for help. That that's the biggest thing is. Go for help and and help for codependency, help for enabling, help for knowing what that healthy boundary is. And you shouldn't feel ashamed and you shouldn't feel anything other than pride for acknowledging that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think many people are so filled with shame uh, they they can't get out of that place of shame. Yeah, um, and we don't talk about it, and and so that's why the shows like this and having a conversation and and all of that to eliminate the shame and and for everyone out there to know, don't be ashamed that that you need help. Um, help yeah. is what saved me. Help is what made the life life better for my sons and my marriage and. Um, 
I'm doing wonderful now. And sadly, you know, my brother didn't make it. My relationships with, with my mother is, is permanently, you know, we're permanently estranged. Um, you can, you should not feel guilty for looking after yourself and your own family. Mm-hmm. I actually have a friend who went to codependence anonymous for many years because of a relationship she had with her mother. And her mother was so toxic to her that in the last few years of her mother's life, she completely divorced herself from her mom. She just could yeah. not be around her. And she has no regrets. She's very clean with it. She did it because she needed to save herself. And I think we need to be able to take that stand. I, I know I know children of abusive fathers who don't talk to their fathers anymore. And, it, you know, it's hard, but sometimes it has to be that extreme. And sometimes it doesn't. You know, in, in many cases with my clients, it's really about learning how to not lose yourself in a relationship and it's learning how to be fully expressed and to speak up and not to morph yourself into something to support somebody at the risk of losing yourself because that's a huge form of codependency also. So it can take many forms. So if anybody out there has and you know can relate to any of this, please reach out for support. If you're dating and would like dating support um, and you feel that you have codependency, that is one of my specialties. You can definitely reach out to me, Sandy, at lastfirstdate.com. But tell us, Jody, how people can find your book and, um, and read your story and maybe see you speak. I know you're on the speaking circuit also. Yeah, you bet. Well, you can get The Sun is Gone, A Sister Lost in Secrets, Shame, and Addiction, and How I Broke Free at Amazon.com, or you can get it directly from my website at JodyProust.com. So it's J-O-D-E-E-P-R-O-U-S-E.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jody, for coming on the show and for being brave and telling your story so that you can help other people to heal. Yeah, thank you so much. And, and just I just want to extend a huge hug to anyone out there that's struggling um, because you can find the courage to change. It It's never too late. I agree. I think that's a great – I can feel your hug. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you again. And thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening today, and I hope that you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day.